what's going on? Welcome in to Sports Betting Daily. How we doing on a Tuesday? Today is the 10th, January 10th, 2023. It's uh, it's it's morning time here, getting this done in the morning, taking this uh, nice sip of coffee real quick. There we go. Why didn't you take a sip before the show started, Tyler? All right, on today's show, uh, it's it's a brand new type of podcast. We're doing math theory shows on Tuesdays. It's going to be uh, every Tuesday from this point on, just different ways of looking at math, looking at math theory, how to approach probability and statistics, because I think that's going to help everyone out there in sports betting, just talking more about math, getting used to working with numbers. Because when you look at data, you know, they're, they're, in my opinion, I believe math is essential to win long-term in sports betting. So it's, I think it's just going to help to talk about things like this and, uh, I also think it's interesting. You know, today we're going to talk about this thing called the Monty Hall problem. Really, really uh, interesting math kind of theory brain teaser. And we'll do that here in a little bit. But uh, how about that game last night? Georgia, I mean, TCU, they look good, right? (laughs) God damn. Uh, I watched so much of that game. There were so many people on social media and, and online and on TV saying that it was a horrible game, worst game ever, worst game. First of all, these championship games the last several years have been bad. The last good college football championship was, I think, Alabama and Georgia with, with Tua Tonga Viola. That was a long time ago. So it's not like these championship games have been good every year. They haven't been 65-7, but that's exactly why we had Georgia minus seven first half, Georgia minus 12 and a half for the game. We gave that out last Friday on our uh, preview show. But, you know... Congrats to TCU for getting there, and I think that they are a really, really, really good team, if not a great team. They're just not elite. They're just not in that category of the Georgias, Ohio State. And I'll say, if you're gonna, if you want to blame someone for last night, blame Michigan because Michigan would have made that a much, much better game. My power rankings had Georgia 14 points better than TCU. Uh, my my power ratings had Georgia about I think five and a half or six points better than Michigan. So they still would have been favored but not even close to that. Um, I want to check something out because a lot of people have been shitting all over Stetson Bennett. And I understand that Stetson Bennett isn't like this classic. By the way, uh, forgive me, I got a little cough thing going on. But uh, Stetson Bennett isn't this uh, elite quarterback who you know, does it with his legs and he's got a rocket arm. Like he doesn't do what classic Heisman invitees do. And I understand that a lot of people shit on him for going to the Heisman ceremony, but I I, I thought that was a little ridiculous because it's like, it's not his fault. He got invited to go there. You know, it's not like he campaigned against all these other people and said he should be there. He got invited and he went. It's like, I don't get the whole shit on him thing. And then last night he wins it, second win, and everyone's like, ah, Stetson Bennett, where they won in spite of him, blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to go see where, uh, I I don't have my own quarterback rankings. I don't do like uh, college football quarterback power rankings, but Pro Football Focus does. And I have this pulled up right here, and they don't number it, of course. So let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Stetson Bennett was the 11th quarterback this year. Rated the number 11 overall quarterback according to Pro Football Focus's metrics they use for evaluating college quarterbacks. Now, that's the overall rating. That incorporates passing, running, and 
Uh, well, they have a couple other little ca- categories here, but just passing and running. Okay, he combines the two. We all know Stetson Bennett is not a great runner. So if you isolate passing, Stetson Bennett becomes the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best quarterback in the country, according to pro football focuses metrics. Okay, so this isn't my, my ratings or anything like that. But the point of this is everyone's overreacting so much because we live in a world now where everything is so binary. It's either great or it sucks. It's amazing or it's horrible. And it's just like most of reality happens within those two, in the middle ground of those two, even though everyone wants to label one of those two. And maybe it's because we're exposed to these radical right and left people on social media and 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 that's all we see on social media and TV is the extremes. So maybe that, that's the assumption that people think. And so that's how people now are starting to like evaluate and grade and judge people. But Stetson Bennett is not, you know, the best quarterback in the country. He's not Bryce Young. We can all agree on that. He's not Drake May even of North Carolina. We can all agree on that. Hell, he's not Clayton Toon of Houston. But to say that they won in spite of him and he doesn't deserve all this love or any love is ridiculous. Stetson and I didn't actually plan on really going here with Stetson Bennett today, but I did see a lot of hate there. So I wanted to say that. I know that he's not an amazing quarterback, but he deserves more credit than he's getting. Uh, some stat lines for last night. Let's see what the, what the Bennett did. 18 to 25, 304 yards, four touchdowns, 99.5 QBR. Uh, God, they spread the ball around a lot. Georgia does. They had uh, Kenny. They had one player with more than with uh, double digit carries. That was Kendall Milton with ten. He had ten carries, thirty three yards. Kenny McIntosh had eight carries. Branson Robinson seven. I mean five carries, five carries, three three. And same with the receivers. I mean they just spread this. Well, I know Brock Bowers actually did a lot of damage, but still. Georgia's just elite, and that's what you expect from the team who's in the national championship. TCU, a little fraudulent in that in that uh, situation. The last kind of fraudulent-ish team may have been like Notre Dame years ago when they played Alabama, if I'm remembering correctly. But anyway, what a what a cover! I I will always a hundred out of a hundred games take games like that if I'm going to get the cover. If we got Georgia twelve and a half, like. You know, I, I don't like the sweat at all. I do this way too often. It's it's too much. I like to move on and just enjoy it. That's Those are the best, in my opinion. I love games like that. And it went really according to how we sort of talked about on Friday and, and, and how, you know, yesterday I actually made my first same-game parlay I've ever made. And it was because I couldn't get great odds or couldn't make it anywhere else. And it actually made sense to make it on DraftKings because they gave me a decent payout for once. Um, the bet was TCU under 33 and a half points and Georgia over 32 and a half points. So what I was doing, cause you can't make the same team. Once I tried to go above TCU score, Georgia, obviously it negated it cause the bet wouldn't make sense. So TCU under 33 and a half, Georgia over 32 and a half was my, my, my only, uh, same game parlay I've ever made only one. Probably going to be the only one. Well, I don't want to say that. If, if the opportunity's there, you know, we don't want to cut ourselves off. Uh, anyway, Georgia gets the win. Let's go. All right. Uh, moving on. Move along, sir. I want to thank Thrive Fantasy real quick. Thrive Fantasy is a great place to go if you like to bet player props. Uh, they pay more 
for parlays than other sites do for player prop parlays. And here's why. They assume every bet is a fixed payout. So it's like, it treats every bet as if it's minus 110. Now you may get a couple players who are each individually minus 120, maybe minus 125 on DraftKings. If you parlay them together, you're going to get such a le- such a lower payout than if you make that same bet at Thrive Fantasy. Check them out online, thrivefantasy.com. Put in promo code SBD when you're signing up. That's going to get you a deposit match up to $100. Thrive Fantasy, promo code SBD. All right, uh, let's take a little sip of coffee here, then get to uh, some math theory. All right. I'm drinking that McCafe uh, (laughs) K-Cups. I'm into it. Into the McDonald's coffee from home. All right, uh... Today, we're going to talk about this thing called the Monty Hall problem. It is a brain exercise. It is a math theory exercise, if you will. And it's one of the more famous approaches that really emphasizes how the average person doesn't get math. I don't want to say doesn't get math. Human beings aren't supposed to get math. Like, it's not supposed to work with our brains. Math is something you have to learn. There's very, very, very few people who are natural with numbers. Even though some of the best best mathematicians that I met at MIT would say the same thing. They were not built with the skill of just knowing numbers. They have to learn these things. It's a process you learn. It's, 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 It's a lot. It goes against human intuition to look at math, math theory, the law of big numbers, and things like that. That's why I think these Tuesday shows are gonna be a lot of fun. So let's today talk about the Monty Hall problem. Here's how the Monty Hall problem goes. You are a game show contestant. And it actually, I think, stems from, uh, it got its name from this old show called Monty Hall, where they used to do this exact same thing. You're a game show contestant. And on this game show, you pick one of three doors, okay? So there's three doors in front of you. Behind one of the three doors is a huge prize. Let's say a million dollars, Okay, so behind one of the three doors is a million dollars. Behind the other two is a goat. This is the example they always use in class, so let's just use it now. It's a goat, okay? So what you have to do is select one of the three doors. Let's say you select door number one. You go stand by door number one, and the host, Monty Hall, goes to either door number two or door number three, to reveal a goat. And this is one of the biggest parts of the whole equation that we'll get back to in a minute, but Monty Hall knows where the money is. That's what's important in this whole thing. So at this point, you have chosen door number one. You're standing by door number one. Monty Hall goes to door number two, opens it to reveal a goat. At this point in the process, he asks you, Would you like to switch to door number three or do you want to stay at door number one and see what's behind door number one? Now, if you're like me or the vast majority of people, you probably say stay. And your rationale is probably this. It's a 50-50 proposition at this point. They've revealed one door that doesn't have the goat. It's either your door, number one, or door number three. And most people say, yeah, it's 50-50, so I'm going to stick. I picked it. I chose this door to begin with. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm sticking with this door, door number one. In reality, that's the wrong answer. 
mathematically speaking, it is always best to switch to door number three. Now, this is a wildly infuriating problem for those who don't get it. This is a wildly infuriating problem for those who do get it because the, the, the three responses that you get when you're teaching this, and I've never taught it before, but the, the three responses you get when you're teaching it are either the very, very small minority of the, of the, I keep saying class, like it's a classroom is where I've done this before, but the very small minority of people will actually understand what's going on here and, and know. Some of the people will be open to the idea, but still want to learn more. And then the majority of the people will think this is bullshit and this is actually incorrect and want to prove otherwise that it doesn't matter if you switch or not because it's 50-50. So let's walk through the math of this, okay? The whole key, I'm going to come back to the point I said earlier, that Monty Hall knows exactly where the money is and where the two goats are. So when you choose by the nature of us having all the information we have. And, and here's where this kind of relates to sports betting. You have to incorporate all information possible if you're going to make the best decision on who to bet on. A lot of people don't do this. Most people, especially in the public, don't do this. They take a couple pieces of information, especially pieces of information that fit their narrative, and they bet with that. A lot of people do this also with futures. If you look at a team to win the AFC West or, or win the Central Division in the NHL or whatever it may be, they say, okay, let's look at the top three or four teams. And they narrow it down to the top three or four teams, forgetting the bottom teams in the division, although small, may have a one, two, three percent chance of winning themselves. So if you have three teams that have a three percent chance of winning, that takes away nine overall percent of your handicap. Many, most people overlook that fact and they just look at the top couple teams. So I think this is kind of how this all applies and relates to sports betting. You have to think of all of the information at our disposal before you make an answer or before you make a bet. So let's get back to the, the Monty Hall problem and talk about why switching is the best. So going into the Monty Hall game, we know a couple things. We know behind one door there's money, and behind two doors there is a goat. One goat behind each of the doors. So we know for a fact that the odds are against us to begin with to initially pick the car. We have a one in three chance to pick the car. We can all agree on that, right? There is a 33.3% chance we will choose the car off the get-go. So what that also means is there is a two-thirds chance we will pick the goat. Do we all still agree on this? Hopefully so. So if you think about the nature of the game and the nature of this thought experiment and how the Monty Hall game works, the host knows where the goats are and where the money is. So two out of three times when you choose the goat, you're effectively forcing Monty Hall's hand to show you where the other goat is. Therefore, two-thirds of the time, you will switch into the car. So, three. I keep saying so. I've never taught this or talked about this before, right? So it's kind of a lot to go through. But I hope you're following and understanding the, the, the point here. One out of three times, you're going to choose the car to begin with. Therefore, two out of three times, if you switch, you're going to get the car. If you switch, your win percentage is 66.6%. If you stay, your win percentage is 33.3%. It is that drastic of a difference. This is not a 50-50 proposition. 
This is a proposition 33 or 66 with some decimals in there. Again, let's go through it one more time just to be clear. I didn't, I'm not sure how exactly clear I was there. Let's go through it one more time. So if you choose, again, knowing what we know, the money's behind one of the three doors, goats are behind two, we're going to choose the goat one out of three times. Or excuse me, we're going to choose the money one out of three times. Now, in those times, in those one out of three times where we choose the money and Money Hall exposes the goat and we switch, you've lost the money. I have just lost you a million dollars for telling you to switch. I apologize. But that's only going to happen one third of the time because the other two thirds of the time, you're going to choose the goat. And by the nature of the game, when Monty Hall reveals where the other goat is, you'll ha- if you switch, you'll hit the car two out of three times. If you'd like to see an explanation and a visual, a visual representation to this problem, I would check out the Monty Hall problem by number file, number P-H-I-L-E, they're on uh, YouTube. They do a really good job of explaining this and visualizing this so it's easier to understand. But the point of this whole problem and the answer is it is always the best idea to switch doors. You're going to win two out of three times if you switch doors. You're going to win one out of three times if you don't switch doors. So, This is, I think things like that are fun. I think thought experiments like that are fun and it forces us to think how our brains aren't meant to operate. That's what I meant earlier with numbers and this whole idea of math being so natural to some people. I I don't really buy that at all. You know, I think that math goes against the grain for what human brains were developed and, 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 and evolved to do. So learning these kind of things and understanding how those work, I think when you really get down to the to the to the grit of how prediction process works, you know, a lot of people think that predicting sports is about knowing sports. I disagree. I think about I think predicting sports is about knowing probability and statistics and knowing how to apply math to statistics, right? I think I would be, if I dedicated my time, I think I'd be just as good at predicting the weather as a meteorologist or predicting, you know, stocks in the stock market or, you know, how often a 35-year-old male is going to get in a car accident and for insurance. These are all the, ex- we're doing the exact same thing in all of these. We're taking a set of information, a set of data, we're running some sort of a prediction process and we're guessing what's going to happen based on that process. That's how they predict the weather, that's how they that's how actuaries do their job for insurance companies. And that's how I predict NFL games and and college football games is that same exact thing. So this is all tied together for those listening today's show going, the hell does this have to do with sports betting? It's in sports, betting. I thought it's called sports betting daily. This all ties together. It's all in the same pot, the same bucket of helping us in the prediction process and getting to think a little bit of a different way. And I just love math. I love math. I love numbers. And I'm not saying I'm a natural, but I've just learned a lot about it. And uh, there's this book that I've read a ton of times. It's called uh, The Smart Money by Michael Koenig. It's a great book about sports betting. And uh, in there, they talk about developing a system. And he's talking about the one of his friends who's the mathematician who's developing the system. And he says, uh, the quote from the book is, numbers make him giddy. <laughs> That's kind of how I am. I just love this kind of shit. This, this sort of, this math theory stuff. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday uh, this year, we're going to do something like this. And actually, I'm not so sure about the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. We may have to do a little something different that day. That's the day I get back from Las Vegas. 
Maybe we'll do an easy one that day, right? I'm gonna be a little hungover, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Oh wait, no, that's... I get back to the Super Bowl on Monday. Yeah, never mind. We'll be ready to go that Tuesday. What the hell am I talking about? All right, either way, uh, that does it for today's show. Appreciate everyone listening. Good luck, whatever you have today, tonight. A lot of hockey tonight, full hockey slate. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily. Sports Betting Daily.